Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode nine of the iCast. I'm Michael Dowies, and I'm here again with Marty Sobo. Hey, Marty, how are you doing? Hey, how's it going? Great. So we kind of are coming off of the crazy Apple week of news of new Macs. And we we said we'd report back this week on a topic that we brought up last week, and that was the the shot on iPhone video, right? And yep. they they had a behind, behind the scenes thing that came out the day after. And we we learned more about how they did this. And and I know Marty, you you kind of had some reservations last time, but after watching this video, did that kind of change anything for you? Like did it make it more clear or was it kind of still like, well, I don't know really what's different? No, I mean it definitely made it more clear. It was definitely really interesting and really awesome to see, you know, how they did all of that. And yeah, I will say right out of the gate. It's definitely amazing that you could get that kind of quality with a phone. I mean, that's just incredible to me that the phones are that powerful and the smallest little things, for example, then this is something they talked about in the video where now that they have USB-C on the phones, the capability of being able to plug right into external storage so that you're not burning up all the storage in your phone that's pretty awesome. Just that in itself, being able to do that. So, I mean, I think that, you know, the idea, the technology, you know, is all amazing. Just, I mean, just to even say that you can do that kind of quality of video with a phone is is just insane to me. I mean, look at where phones have come from. It's just crazy. Now, with that being said, this is the one thing I also will say you got to take it a little bit with a grain of salt because they have unlimited resources. And just because they shot the actual video portion, you know, of the thing with their phones, everything else is so high quality. I mean, they've got, you know, millions of dollars in lights and millions of dollars in sounds and millions of dollars in microphone and in microphones and audio. And they have all of this, you know, high ability staff to be able to edit and do 3D animations and and all of those things. So, I mean, you can definitely shoot amazing quality video and do some pretty awesome stuff, but also understand that aside from the phone itself, the technology that they're using to make that video is awesome as it is you know, they still have unlimited resources. So I just think that that's something, you know, people should just understand, mm-hmm. you know, that it's just, you're not going to pull out your phone and just shoot a video and it's going right. to turn out like that, you know? Right. Now, I do think, but I will give Apple credit to this. It's it's not like they just showed somebody shooting an iPhone. They actually showed the cranes, pulleys, and drones, like, like drone going up. And they actually had, you know, showed the drone flying up in the air to take video. So I, I think it's good that they did put all of that out there. Oh, yeah. Saying that, you know, we, we did use these resources to make this work, but it was shot on an iPhone. So, Except I'm, for the I'm, drone footage. The drone mm-hmm. footage was different cameras. I don't think they used yeah. iPhones for the drone footage. Most likely not. They e- Either that or they had a drone holding an iPhone. That is something they can do. Yeah, that is true. So... And, and and I don't know if you saw this, but it was interesting. They actually did show the drone going up and kind of swerving and zooming and things with the with the footage on that video. I, I found that very interesting that they showed that working. Yeah, which makes me makes me think that it definitely was not 
a drone carrying an iPhone and trying to shoot video. I think that mm-hmm. would have been a lot more of a challenge to mm-hmm. be able to have a drone carrying a phone, shooting video and being able to do all those crazy shots they were doing. Right. I think it's hard enough just to get those kind of shots just with a regular drone with, you know, a really good camera attached mm-hmm. to it. So, But, you know, it might be one of those situations where they do have unlimited resources. So they may have a drone, like one of those really, really fancy, almost military grade drones that are holding the iPhone. So who who knows? I mean, that is true. We, we don't have the knowledge to know if that's what they did or if it was like a GoPro on a drone or. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to give away every single little right. secret. You know, they got to keep some things magical. Although I do think that they said that they edited, you know, they said shot on iPhone, edited on Mac. But I, I'm kind of wondering if, because I've heard that they used the Blackmagic app and they, they edited with DaVinci Resolve from what I've heard. So it's interesting that they're not even doing this with their software. You don't think they're using Final Cut Pro and uh, no, that I've I've been told that they've they use DaVinci Resolve in the Blackmagic camera app. Now, here's a question for you. This is kind of crazy that they tout their software and that it's some of the best software in the industry, yet they don't use their own software to make their magic. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of if I was to be in the market for video editing software. You know, you could look at Final Cut Pro and go, hey, you know, I can run this on my Mac. I can run this on my iPad. It's a little bit of a different experience from the two, but I mean, it's still Final Cut Pro. Or I can look at DaVinci Resolve because that's what Apple uses, right? I mean, it's kind of (laughs) weird. Right. And DaVinci Resolve is free. But one of the things that I think it's important to point out, there, there could be a few things there. One, you know, Apple could be toting those programs because you know, DaVinci Resolve is is free, or they might be toting those programs because their staff just prefers those programs, or they're being sponsored to so, show those programs. Yeah, it could be any one of those three, or it could be all three of those things. Who knows, yeah. you know? Yeah. So the world will never know, except for if you're part of, you know, working yeah. Apple Park. It's like they give you a little peek in, but they're not going to give away all their secrets. So. Right. So I think that's part of the magic, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm exactly. not sure I would want to know every single thing. It takes the fun out of it, you know? It does. It does. But I like that, you know, because I, I don't know that they really expected the social, like, shot on iPhone? What? Huh? I don't think they expected that. It was just, or maybe they did. Maybe they did. Well, I Who think... Knows? A lot of people were really wanting to see what it would be like to shoot on a phone that had USB-C because even iPads, they've had USB-C for a while now, but nobody uses an iPad to shoot video, really. You know what I mean? Most people use it for just, you know, watching content or maybe it's like a secondary, you know, workhorse to do production work in the sense of like emails, web project management, like all those kinds of things, you know, but I don't ever see anyone running around trying to shoot video with an iPad really. And I actually think that the cameras on the phones are more powerful than the iPad cameras really much more, much more. So now one of the crazy capabilities is that they're able to, now that they have a USB-C, they can, you know, plug in in an infinite amount of hard drive space. You're not stuck to any one amount, you know, it's just, you know, you can hook up the phone, you know, whatever hard drive, and then you can daisy chain those if you're running all USB-C hard drives, you know, SSD, I'm sure they're high speed. 
and or if you need to do hubs or if you need to do anything. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. USB is right. great because it just allows you to use so many different utilities. You know, it really opens up a whole world, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what I like about USB-C. And yeah. it's great that you can use any cable, you know? USB-C mm-hmm. is USB-C. There's no proprietary thing. And, you know, if you can get all your other devices on USB-C, you're really needing, like, just one cable, and you're kind of good to go, you know? So that's what I like about it. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, we're at a point where, and and I'm kind of wondering how well this would go, and I would love to see some YouTubers out there like, you know, iJustine or others hook up some tripods and just put iPhones in their space and use it for both B-roll and 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 for B-roll and for their main video roll shooting footage and see how right. well it goes. I'm I'm I mean, even just in general, like I'm kind of wondering how well that would work. I would say the only downfall is, and actually there probably is a workaround, I'm not sure, but you can hook it up to anything. I mean, that USB-C port is powerful. You can get a USB-C hub, and then if you have a USB-C hub that has pass-through power, you can even be charging your phone or keep your phone charged while doing a bunch of other stuff at the same time. Right. So, I mean, if that's the case, you're pretty much sky's the limit, really. I think the only limitation is I don't know that it will do it on like those spinning platter drives. I don't know if you could record to those. Uh, yeah, but I don't think anybody would use a platter drive at this point. It's too slow. Yeah, I mean, I I know a lot of people still have platter drives, but I'm, I'm, I want to test it and see if it will do it. So that, that might be worth checking out. But one I, thing I, I will throw in here so people do understand is there is a difference in the regular iPhone 15s and the iPhone 15 Pro and Pro Max, the data speed is slower on the regular one opposed to the Pro. So, yes, it is like 480 megabits a second where it's like the Pro can go up to 10 gigabytes a second. Yeah. Or something like that. Or 10 gigabits, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yep. But for sure, you will need a Thunderbolt cable to make that work yep. and or a you um, buy one through apple it's what what 50 bucks or something 50 to 70 dollars or usb type of uh, usb 3.0 cable for sure the yeah. cable that comes in the box with your iphone even the pros is a usb two speed cable so keep that in mind yep and expect to pay more than other cables that cable is going to be a lot more expensive than just a regular usb-c cable now what if you were to buy like a thunderbolt cable I'm sure that would work. I don't know if it will go to the full, you know, capabilities of Thunderbolt. So I would look for anything that has USB 3.0 on the label. Good to know. 3.0, everybody. So we did we did get more confirmation that on the new Macs, the 14-inch MacBook Pro does only have the two ports on the left side instead of the three that we have on the bigger the the bigger machines. I don't know about the HDMI or the SDXC. There is, there is HDI and SD card slots on there. There is. They just removed the one USB C. So instead of having three USB Cs, two on the left, one on the right, mm-hmm. you just have the two on the left, and there's not one on the right. 
And see, I one thing I will say about this machine, it kind of comes back to if you want something in that mid-range, like $15.99, it's a good price. But when you start customizing that thing, you might as well go up to the 14-inch. Well, they're both 14-inch. The 14-inch the Pro Pro. <laughs> well, yeah, like starting with the Mac, or the it would be the... Let's see. It would be the M3 Pro, I think, is the one right. step up from Correct. the regular M3. Correct. And I think the reason why they actually did do this, and if you go back and you look at any of the other machines you know, that had more ports, like the Mac Mini originally, any of the Mac Minis with just the regular standard processor, not either the Pro or the Macs or anything, they also only carry the two USB-C ports or the two Thunderbolts. That's correct. They yeah. don't have three. And I think the reason why they do that is because something that has to do with the processor only handles two and not more than that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why they removed one of the ports. Right. But you have MagSafe. You know, there's ways to get around it. I mean, realistically, if you're really concerned about it, you know, you could bump up, you know. But if you don't want to bump up and you want to stay in that price range, you can definitely use MagSafe to charge. That still leaves you two open USB-C ports to play with. And you can always get a hub, which is going to expand to whatever you need to be able to, you know, run external hard drives or, you know, go into an interface or whatever you need to do, you know? So right. you're not really that limited in my opinion. I mean, yeah, you're missing a port, but it's really not the end of the world. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, the MacBook Airs have that and I'm totally fine with that on the air. Basically it's like having an air, but plus a lot more features. Yeah, I think the only other huge difference is that because it's the regular standard processor, not the Pro or the Max, the amount of RAM that you can max it out to is less on the regular than it is on the ones with the Pro or the Pro Max processors. Yes, you're correct as well. So if you're really needing like a ton of RAM, that might be something to consider. I mean, and if you need three USB-C ports or three Thunderbolt ports, and, you know, those would be things to consider. But right. Other than those two things, I'm pretty sure everything else is the same, I think. Yes. Oh, yes. I guess there's one other caveat. On that low, low model, you can't get that new black color. You oh, only really? can get those on the bumped up versions. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. That was the other thing. I was surprised about that, actually. I was like, really? They're going to be doing that with the, the color? So you can only get that black color on the upper end versions. So. Right. That's very interesting. Good information. So the, the new Macs are really neat. I mean, I plan to get one. I skipped the M2 lineup, but I'm, I'm probably going to go up to the M3. And do you think we're ever going to get to a point where Apple is just like, okay, we're just going to do quiet releases again. You know, they did that for a while with Intel. So they just quiet released the new machines. Do you think we're going to get to the, that point with Apple Silicon, or do you think it'll always be a press release or a uh, or a video like we've had? I think unless it's something extraordinary, like a full redesign of the machine and they want to introduce the machine, or in this case, it was the you know next generation of you know processor which they want to make a big deal out of because they want to show people how much faster it is. They also wanted to introduce you know that base model or lower entry 14 inch 
because they were getting rid of that 13-inch MacBook Pro. I think unless there's some significant reason, I think if it's just going to be a hardware bump, you know, in terms of processor or something like that, they're probably going to do press releases, in my opinion. And this is what they've done in the past. I mean, there's a, a lot of times in the past where, you know, all of a sudden you'll see, hey, they released new whatever, and it's just really the next generation or the next bump of whatever the chip is. But anything else is the same. You know, they didn't really change right. anything. I think if it's something like that, they just do a press release. They're not going to waste all their time to go, hey, you know, we stuck a new processor in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I think once the once the M factor has been not as cool, like the Apple Silicon factor is not as cool anymore, they'll just kind of kind of quiet it down to, you know, the the press releases and things like that. Now, there was reports a while back, once we got really far into the Apple Silicon world, and maybe this is why they're comparing these to Intel, right? But I think it's worth talking about for a minute here. Do we think that Rosetta 2 will be end of life once they feel like enough people have made it over from Intel? I think at some point it probably will be, but I think it's going to be around for a while. And the reason why I say that is because it takes a lot longer for the third-party vendors to update their software. And sometimes there's hardware involved as well. I know a lot of the pro video and pro audio people who do that kind of work use a lot of outboard gear. And a lot of that outboard gear needs software to run it. So they are not as fast as Apple to update their software all at one time and, and and go boom, you know, you're ready to go. I mean, usually it's a whole process. You have the outboard gear and the software that runs that needs to be updated to be compatible. But then you have all the plugins and those all come from third-party vendors and on and on. And all of that stuff needs to be completely updated and work well before they're going to kill it. I mean, right now, currently, I know a lot of people who do professional audio, and they're still on Intel because they're just not ready to go 100% into M processor world yet because of that exact reason. You know, they either have plugins, software, hardware, and all of that stuff that it's just not all cohesive exactly with the M series processors yet. So I think they will eventually get rid of it, but I think it's going to be way down the line. Right. Okay. So I think the last thing that we really had to discuss was, and and it kind of depends on if you're a fan of this, so I'm sure some people will be clicking off at this point. But we, there was a big thing that came up recently about the Beatles. And the reason why I bring this up is Steve Jobs was a huge fan of the Beatles and different artists like that. And they released a new album. And even in Apple Music, you can find information about this album and things like that. And they have some videos. They have they released a new song called Now and Then. And it's probably the only song I really care for by the Beatles. I don't know why. Just such a different sound from what they've done, you know, wherever they performed. It's very interesting. And I, I think it's worth mentioning, you know, Steve Jobs was a huge fan of them. You know, they did a lot with Apple and and things like that. So if if you're not into the Beatles, I would still check it out. Check out the song. Have you looked into this at all, Marty? Yeah, I did. I read a little bit about it. 
I heard a little bit of it. First of all, I'm going to say there is no denying that the technology that we have to be able to do something like this is incredible. I mean, just to be able to create a new Beatles song all through technology with, I mean, some of them aren't even around anymore. You know, this is all stuff they had a long time ago, and they were able to take the technology that we have now and put together a brand new song really with all the original members and sounds and instruments and things that they've had. And so here it's amazing that we have the technology to be able to even do something like this. And like you were saying, the production is different from other older Beatles stuff. I think that goes just to say about just technology in general, the kind of technology people are using now is much different than when they actually recorded when they actually recorded you know everything was like play it live play it raw you know it's a recording as them playing it you know and a lot of times now they don't do that they now can like do take after take you know, because it just goes onto a hard drive. They're not using tape anymore, where before they would have to do roll the reel, you know, cut the tape with the razor blades and do all that stuff. And now, you know, they don't even have to do that. Now they can do take after take and they don't have to have the whole entire band there. One person at a time can do vocals, guitars, drums, you know, and then they take all this technology once it's recorded and they have the ability to mix it all together and make it sound really good. And it's a totally different way of doing it than when they originally did it. So of course you're going to get a little bit of a different sound. It's still amazing. Any way you look at it, that anyone can just do what they did and come out with like a new Beatles song that way. I mean, I right. think it's amazing to even just think about that, you know? Right. Right. For sure. And, and, mm-hmm. You know, you can you can even I, I've heard a lot of the songs are being remastered kind of the same way that they did this song, so it's very interesting to they they put I don't remember the name of the song, but on the album, they have they're slowly releasing new songs with that are remastered the way they did now and then, and it was it's very interesting just to see see what they're doing and how they're doing it. So, well, I mean, one thing now that is just hugely different from back then is everything is just compressed down to nothing. You know, you're mm-hmm. not getting the full quality of the audio. Everyone now listens to all their music like on their phone, on the go, you know, streaming over any streaming service. It's not the same. I mean, at least for me anyway, it's totally a different sound when you can get the total uncompressed, full quality sound that you get you know, from the original that that's, you're never going to get anything better than that. As long as the quality of the recording sessions were, were done right and well, you know, now everybody just smushes it down to nothing and makes it a squashed MP3. I mean, and yeah, it could sound good, you know, but if you really were to sit down and put on something from way back then that was, you know, done in a, one of those old classic studios with the fullest sound and, you know, totally uncompressed. It's just a whole different experience. Yeah, I can imagine that. It's it's very interesting, you know, comparing music today and even sounds and different things that we make on our devices compared to what things were. You know, it, it's. I think the comparison is is very worth the study, really and truthfully. And, and that's why I wanted to bring this to 
the show today because it, it is kind of an Apple-related thing because of the music. You know, music is in Apple's genes, as Steve would say, I believe. So I, I find it very interesting, you know, that they, they were able to put out this song. And it's it's kind of powerful. And apparently um, I was listening to, if you go and listen to Jonathan Mosen's latest podcast, he kind of goes into a more depth about this song and actually now and then was one of the last things that John Lennon said to Paul McCartney before he died. Just now, you know, I, I'd love to see you now and then. And to me, that's really powerful, you know. Oh, yeah. So, sure. you know, really and interesting. he probably stuff. had no idea, you know. It's just right. In a, an innocent comment, you know. Right. But you never know what words you say will have the biggest meaning on the biggest group of people. So True. Well, I think with that, uh, the, I got one other thing I wanted to bring up before we close out the show. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to bring up that to all Apple Watch users, there was an update that came out probably less than 24 hours from the time of this recording. And for the purpose of a lot of people were having issues with their Apple Watch battery just getting chewed up really fast or maybe not lasting as long as it should. That was one of the main problems people were complaining about. So they pushed out this new Apple Watch update, which is supposed to solve that issue. I'm still trying to figure it out because I just up- updated mine this morning and I haven't had enough time to see the difference you know, before the update until now after the update. I'm kind of still within coming off a fresh charge from this morning. And let me see. I'll tell you. It was 100% this morning and now... I am at 50% exactly since this morning. So we'll have to see how that goes. But if you feel like you're having trouble with your Apple Watch battery not lasting, check that update, see if you get it, and then take a look and see if your battery lasts longer. So there was also updates for all the other things as well that got pushed out as well, phone and iPad, Mac, all the things. So Go check those out, too, and make sure you stay updated, get all those security bug fixes and all that good stuff. Fantastic. All right. So, Marty, do you have a a pick for this, an app pick for this time? And where can people find you on the Internet? I do. So my app pick for this time is actually something I came across on accident, I will tell you. It's actually called Terminology. And it's like a dictionary and thesaurus app, which isn't seeming to be that big of a deal. The reason why I purchased it right away as soon as I found this, found out about this app was because it's made by the same developer as the developer who makes drafts. And his stuff is awesome. This app works with voiceover and he touts that, which is really amazing. And this uh, way, the way this works, you can copy and paste into it. It gives you all kinds of information depending on if you're looking for definitions, thesauruses, you know, it's really, really a great app. And it's a one-time purchase, $1.99, I believe it was. So it's totally worth it. I bought it immediately and it's just a great app, runs good. And I'm, I'm having fun with it. So Go check that out. And if anyone wants to track me down, you can find me on Mastodon, marty at unmute.community. Fantastic. So my app today is going to be a, it's not an, it's not a traditional app. This one's a game that I found and it's, it does really well if you're low vision. It's not a voiceover compatible app from what I've been able to tell. So I want to throw that out there. 
but it's called BeatStar, B-E-A-T-S-T-A-R, and it's a back to music. And it lets you, so you start, it plays a song, and then you have to tap the screen as different beats are reach a certain point. So it's kind of difficult, really fun. It syncs up to Apple Music, so it will grab your library, and you unlock, you can unlock songs from your library and get, you know, things that you want. So it's a really neat game. I'm I'm enjoying it. It is a time and possibly a money sink, depending on the investment you want to put into it. So just letting you know that. But it is a it's a fun game. It it works really well with Zoom, so you can move around with three fingers, all that good stuff. So fantastic game, really fun and addictive. So as for people can find me online, I'm Mike Doeys at TechOpolis.social on Mastodon, Mike Doeys on Twitter X, however you want to call it, Michael Doeys on Facebook, and Michael Doeys on pretty much everywhere else. You can email me at MikeDoeys at iCloud.com. You can find us on YouTube on our YouTube channel. This uh, we are streaming the show there right now, and we're also on IACast Radio, iacast.net/listen. So there's now two easy ways where you could find us, and I'm going to make a another easy way here pretty soon now that I think about it. But we're here every week, pretty much every Wednesday recording, and then we have this thing out by the weekend. So always good listening, and yeah, it's been a great episode, a little shorter this time, but uh, you know, it's right after an Apple event, so it's bound to happen. So I want to thank you, Marty, for being here. This has been a great episode. And we will see you all next time. So thanks, and we'll talk to you all soon. See ya.